0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current study, Joy and Crown. In this two-week series, we will look at the many reasons we have to be grateful while focusing on what we must do to follow Christ in this life. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here in the room as well as those, those of you who are online with us today. So it was 19 years ago on Thanksgiving Day, November 27, 2009, an, an extraordinary event of Thanksgiving happened with extraordinary secrecy, Then, President George W. Bush paid a surprise visit to our troops in Iraq. His purpose was to thank them for defending our country and defending freedom. And uh, while there, the president was uh, in line serving the Thanksgiving meal to 600 stunned soldiers in the mess hall by Baghdad's airport. And when they had gathered that day, they were greeted uh, by... uh, Paul Brimmer, the uh, U.S. administrator, chief administrator, and he told the troops that he was going to read a proclamation from the president. Then he paused and noted. He said, you know, I should read it, but unless there's somebody of a higher rank here. And then from behind the curtain, President Bush stepped. And he said, you know, I just wanted on Thanksgiving Day uh, to thank our troops for what they had done. And this was done in such secrecy, not even his parents back in Crawford, Texas, knew that he was going to miss Thanksgiving Day. And, and you know, when you think about Thanksgiving, uh, you know, when you, when you think about all that we have to give thanks for, we, we think about how this has been a tradition in this country for hundreds of years. You know, it, uh, it goes back that first to that first harvest feast celebrated in 1621 between the Wampanoag indigenous people and the English Plymouth colonists who gathered to celebrate and have that feast together. And then in 1863 President Abraham Lincoln designated a national holiday that we still celebrate so many years later. But the idea of setting aside a time to celebrate blessings and give thanks and show gratitude to God didn't originate with President Lincoln. It didn't originate with those pilgrims in the Wampanoag. It, It originated way back in the book of Leviticus around 1440 before Christ was born. We see the the people of Israel being instructed in the book of the law to give thank offerings to God. Now, I don't want to talk about the history of giving thanks. I really want to help us give thanks today, and and I want to encourage you to to do that. Now, this summer, as I was uh, reading through my Bible, I I came across a passage, and it, it struck me As unique and original. I'm going, wow, this is is weird because I know I've read this book of the Bible dozens and dozens of times, but I don't ever remember reading this one phrase. And it obviously caught my attention. I sat with it for weeks, and I researched it and studied it because it just, it really got my curiosity. And the verse is from Philippians 4, and it's the first verse of that chapter. I'm going to read it. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Well, you probably figured out the phrase that caught my attention was my joy and crown. I go, why does Paul call his brothers and sisters in Christ his joy and crown? Well, as I, as I study that, I realized that he's giving them a designation of his thankfulness for them. And and I discovered uh, that as I did that, you know, it's something that we need to celebrate, that we are God's joy and crown. So, you know, when when you study through the, the New Testament letters of Paul, you'll see that he not only gave thanks for his brothers and sisters in Christ at the different churches, but at times he would also honestly admit that he was perplexed by their behavior, that he was discouraged by them, uh, that he was excited by what they did and that he was frustrated by what they did. But, But here in this book, in this verse, we see Paul is filled with gratitude for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he expresses his love for them and his longing to see them and then affectionately calls them his joy and crown. So what does he mean by calling them that? Well, when you think about it, referring to his brothers and sisters as his joy is something that I think that if you think about how your parents felt about you when you were growing up, at some point in your life, they were filled with joy because of you. If you're a parent now, you've experienced that. I'm not saying that sometimes kids make us feel other things than joy, or that we made our parents feel something other than joy, but but you know, it's that it's that sense that, that we know, as humans, what it's like to find joy in another person. I believe teachers find that when they see their children uh, in their classes uh, progressing and, and growing. Uh, I believe that uh, a leader who mentors others sees in his or her mentee, uh, they get joy when they see the progress of that mentee. Uh, A pastor like the Apostle Paul can find joy in seeing the followers of Christ grow in their faith and become more fully devoted in their following of Jesus. And that's why Paul calls the Philippians his joy, because he's seen their progress. He's seen their growth. He's seen their maturation as followers of Jesus, and he is filled with joy for what they're doing. Now, That's the joy part, but what about the crown part? Well, sometimes you can gain another, some other insight from uh, other verses in scripture, and so there's a verse in the book of Philippians that I'd like to read to you because it gives us some insight to what joy and crown means. It, It goes this way, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you, Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So, so from this verse and, and others where the word crown is used in the New Testament, we understand that, that Paul's implying the crown he will receive from God when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom on earth and when all followers of Christ will stand before the throne of God and receive the reward. We're not talking about salvation. We're, we're talking about the reward one receives for their faithful following of God in their lifetime. Now, let, let's just pause for a moment just to, to grasp a little bit more about this this idea of crown. If you know anything uh, about the history of the Olympics, remember the Olympics were started in 776 BC and they were started in Greece. And you probably know, if you know anything about that history, that when the Olympics started, they didn't receive medals. There was no gold, silver, and bronze. Uh, they would get a, a crown, and actually it wasn't a, a gold crown or a silver crown or even a bronze crown. It was a, a crown made from the branches of olive trees, and they would be woven either into a circle or into a, a horseshoe, and they would be placed only on the victor's head, not on everybody else, but the one person who had won. Now that. This is important to know because this was not just Greek culture, but Greek culture influenced all of the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was from Italy all the way to Israel. Now, let me add into this. The Apostle Paul wasn't born in Israel he was actually born in Tarsus, which is modern-day Turkey, which was part of the Roman Empire. And even though he was raised as a Jewish believer, as he says in Scripture, I was a Hebrew of Hebrew, I was a, a Pharisee of a Pharisee, he, he was raised and influenced by that greco Greco-Roman culture. And so he knew probably about the Olympics and he probably knew about the crown that was given to the victor of that event. And so when he envisioned what it would be like at the end of his life, when he stood before God and God would give him that reward for what he had done in his lifetime, he envisioned it as a crown. And so as he wrote to the Philippians, he said, you are my joy and my crown. And he not, didn't just even mean it just in that future sense. I think he also meant it right then and there because he was proud of these followers of Jesus. Now, Paul's gratitude for his many faithful brothers and sisters in Christ uh, was something that, that he shared often in Scripture. And he did it here when he talked about the joy and crown, but, but there, and that was a little indirect. There were other places where he was more direct. In fact, when he wrote to the church in Rome, he said this I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Now, We know that Paul was showing his gratitude to his brothers and sisters in Christ when he wrote those words 2,000 years ago. But we also understand that, that God inspired Paul and the other writers of the books of the Bible. And so that scripture not only had meaning and context then, but it has application to every successive generation of followers of Jesus. And so as children of God, as followers of Jesus our faithfulness also brings joy to God. And on behalf of our leaders here at Valley Brook, I can tell you that every time we see somebody take a step of faith, such as believing in Jesus or starting a spiritual discipline or joining a life group or becoming a, a giver or, or whatever step of faith it is, that excites us because we see the impact of what it means to believe in and follow Jesus and the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that makes us grateful. So I want to say to you today, I'm grateful for you. Uh, Your faith in Christ brings me joy. And I know that one day I'll stand before God and he will ask me what you do with your life. And with tons of gratitude, I'll be able to to point out to you. But before that goes to everybody's head, <laughs> let's look at the, the second part of this verse. Because after he says, You are my joy and crown, he says this Stand firm in the Lord. So let me go back and read the entire scripture again. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way dear friends. So because he said that the brothers and sisters are his joy and crown for their maturity and their faithfulness to God, when he says stand firm in the Lord in this way, he's saying keep on keeping on. He's saying keep on being faithful. Keep on doing those things that help you grow in your faith. You know, the reality is this, is throughout the Bible, God exhorts us to turn to him, to be faithful to him, to deal with our sinfulness, to to repent, to turn around and follow him, to do whatever it takes to be in a faithful, committed relationship of follower to God Almighty. That kind of encouragement is important because there's a, implication behind that encouragement that that will actually act on it and let me tell you a story from my own life to, that will help you understand this when I was a kid growing up I loved to play baseball baseball was my sport but my best friend's sport was football and candidly I, I was a little envious of him and uh uh, I, I played a lot of backyard football, but I didn't ever try out for a team or anything. But one day I was out playing football in my yard and my neighbor drove by and, and I didn't know this at the time, but he was a coach of a football team uh, and he stopped and he asked me, he said, would you like to try out for my football team? And my dad and I talked with him and he said, yeah, we'd like to do that. And, and uh, you know, I made the football team, which was, you know, something I never expected, but... This coach had a lot of influence in my life. I looked up to him. He had played NCAA football, and so to me, he was, he was a big deal. And so uh, as we were preparing for that season, he said, you know, Clark, if you're going to get ready for the team, you ought to start running to get ready. And so I started running. If we could uh, have a, a video camera of that, you would see a 13-year-old kid wearing Levi's corduroys, the long ones, and a shirt like this and just regular tennis shoes running around the block because he told me to run. And that's the kind of influence that he had. Now, uh, my playing football only lasted a couple years, but I've been running ever since. And it's something that I enjoy. It's something that I I sort of attribute to that coach as an influence on me. And you know what? For, For decades, I ran with really no problems, but then I hit my 50s, and uh, things began to hurt, and things began to crop up that actually prevented me from running for long periods of time, and so I started doing research, and I started seeing doctors. I, you know, I had a chronic injury that honestly probably took me through a dozen and a half doctors to finally figure out, and, and what the last doctor said was, you know what? You need to strengthen some other parts of your body. You need to add some discipline. you can't just run all the time. So he gave me exercises to deal with, with strengthening other parts of my legs and other parts of my hips. And that was almost two years ago. And now I can enjoy running again. And here's the reason I bring this up is because when it comes to standing firm in our faith... You can't just do one thing all the time for decades. And that one thing, that simple thing that we may think it is, is going to church. You know, just meeting here for an hour on Sunday is not going to help you grow and mature in your faith. You're going to need to add some other disciplines or exercises. One of those would be non-negotiable. It's reading the Bible. You can't know how to follow Jesus. You can't know what it means to follow Jesus and believe in Him unless you actually read God's Word and study it and actually live it out or apply it to your lives. And so, I, I, I'm always trying to encourage people to read their Bible regularly. Read it, memorize verses so you can remember them when you can't grab hold of a Bible. Uh, meditate on scripture and think about how it applies to your life, you know, I would encourage this way. If if you would like some suggestions for a reading plan or things like that, send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc and we would love to help you with that. The next discipline that that I would encourage you to to practice, and look, I would say this, you know, the reality is if you're new to following Jesus, if you're young in the faith, these may be things that you haven't thought of. If you've been following Jesus for a while, obviously these are things I I hope that you already know. And I'm going to mention several disciplines here, but it's not going to be exhaustive. So Bible reading is one of them. Another one is prayer. It's closely connected to reading the Bible because When we open up God's word, the first thing that we should do is say, God, speak to me. Just just say that prayer and say, God, I want to know what you want me to know. And then obviously, prayer is important for us to spend time worshiping God, thanking God, confessing our sins and asking forgiveness. And then, of course, yes, bringing to him our prayer requests. We, we take prayer seriously here at Valley Brook. That's why we have prayer team members up here after the service if you want somebody to pray with you. The next discipline that I would lift up is, is the discipline of community. In other words, meeting together with other followers of Jesus Christ. You, you know, the reality is this, and, and, and you can see this literally here today. On Sunday morning, we gather to worship and we do it in rows. But real life happens in circles. You know, in, uh, in my life group, we, we met we on Friday, and we were all gathered around in a circle. We were studying God's Word. Uh, we were discussing it, and we were connecting with one another. And at the end, we were praying for one another. Life is supposed to be had in community with others, particularly for followers of Jesus. That's why we encourage people to join life groups. They're just small groups of adults who get together to read the Bible, to discuss it, to build relationships, and to care for one another. The next thing that I would encourage you to do, uh, discipline, is, is serving God and serving others. God has blessed us all with talents, with gifts, with energy, with time to use to serve Him and others. And the reality of, is this. I believe that it's in serving God with one another that we even grow deeper in our connection to each other and our faith because serving causes us to live out what we believe. Now some of us may be specialists. We may be gifted in something that we can do that, that is unique and I encourage you to lean into that and find a way to use that gift to build up the body of Christ and to honor God. Others of us are are generalists, and we can serve in multiple areas, but we don't have a, a special talent. And that's all right, because Scripture tells us that we're all gifted for different reasons. But the reality is, is that we need to use those gifts to serve God and to build up His kingdom, the body of Christ, the church. The next discipline I would highlight would be generosity. It's closely related to to serving because God has blessed us all with a certain amount of time, talent, and treasure. And when we give those things to God to use for his kingdom, to help people come to faith, to help people grow in faith, to help grow God's kingdom, he is glorified and honored. Now, this is really just a, a brief list. And there's certainly other disciplines that you can embrace and, and that can help you stand firm. Because that's why I'm highlighting those. To help you stand firm in the faith as Paul exhorts us to do. Not just for the short term, but, but for the long term. We, we have to apply those disciplines. Just like I had to apply some new disciplines so I could continue to run into my 50s. You know, you're going to have to apply some disciplines in your walk with Jesus to help you grow and mature and to stand firm in the faith. There's one last one that I want to talk about. You could call it a discipline. Maybe you could call it an attitude. And it fits obviously very, very importantly with this season of Thanksgiving that we're in. It's, it's the attitude of gratitude. And so in Scripture, we, we see this exhortation to be thankful in everything. The Apostle Paul writes about being thankful in every single circumstance of one of his letters. And uh, recently I, I was reminded of a message that I heard uh, the president of our movement, Pastor Scott Rideout, share. And uh, in fact it's online and we've actually posted it on our website if you want to go and listen to that sermon. It would it would encourage you and bless you to do so. But I, I want to share with you some of the things that he said, because I believe they will help us be thankful. So let me read the scripture that he used to begin with. It's from the, the book of Colossians, and it starts in verse uh, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when Pastor Scott preached that message, he he pointed out that each verse... Each of those three verses teaches a life-giving discipline. So let me remind you, verse 15 said, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. So Pastor Scott pointed out that this verse is talking about that when we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, we're focusing our minds on thoughts that are life-giving. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Verse 16, it says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Pastor Scott pointed out that this points to our relationships when he says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So, he said this points to having life-giving relationships with one another. And then verse 17, which says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, in that verse, Pastor Scott pointed out that, that phrase, whatever you do. He focused on that. He said, that's exhorting us to find life-giving activities for our lives. You know, the reality is this, is uh, you remember the old saying, all, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. We, we have to find some life-giving activities. You, you've heard about mine this morning. It's running. It's life-giving to me. And you, some of you think you're crazy, but that's, that's what it is for me. But there's one thing about those three verses, and I think you caught it, but I'll just remind you. Each one of them concluded with an attitude of gratitude. So let me go back and remind you. Verse 15 said, and be thankful. Verse 16 said, sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And verse 17 wraps it up by saying, giving thanks to God. You know, with all the disciplines that we've looked at, choosing to practice them is just that. It's a choice. So having an attitude of gratitude is a choice. Now, as I say that, Gratitude is a choice. I'm completely aware that being thankful, that being grateful is not the norm of the culture that we live in. In fact, being grateful, I believe, is countercultural, just like following Jesus is countercultural. So I want to share with you a story I read, one person's experience with trying to develop an attitude of gratitude. His name's Chris Winfield. And he said, you know, he points out he didn't live with this kind of attitude. In fact, his normal mode of operation, he said, was, why did this happen to me? And it didn't matter if it was a big thing, like the loss of a friend to death, or a small thing, like having his flight delayed. He was in a constant state, he writes, of poor me. But he said this started to change when i began writing a gratitude list every day and he did it for over 34 months and said this began to change his life profoundly and and he said i learned four important things on my gratitude journey so i'm going to share with you what they are he said the first is having an ad of, attitude of gratitude at first was really hard he said I had a mentor, and he told me to text him three things that I was grateful for every day. And he goes, that may sound easy, but it wasn't. When you've lived most of your life not focusing on gratitude, it's not easy to make that change. So he said, it's it's hard at first. Then he said, the second thing he learned was there's always something to be grateful for. He said, you know what? No matter what was going on in my life, whether it was business problems or somebody cut me off in traffic, there was always something I could find to be grateful. The third thing he said that he discovered was gratitude grows the more you recognize it. He said, my gratitude list started off very basic, and I struggled to find things to be grateful for, especially, he said, on tough days. But once I consistently took action, it became easier and easier. And the fourth thing he said I learned was this. Having an attitude of gratitude can help stop negative thought patterns. He writes, according to a, the Laboratory for Neuroimaging, the average person has about 70,000 thoughts a day. There's one big problem with this, he said. The vast majority of those thoughts are negative. Gratitude can work to stop these negative thought patterns by replacing it with something positive. So the reality is, God wants us to be grateful. It's not a, something that... Uh, we do just for self-help is that we recognize all the blessings. So let me begin with my three gratitude thoughts today. I'm going to practice what I preach. First, I'm grateful for you. Like Paul, I too say that you are my joy and crown. I'm filled with joy because I see the steps of faith that you have taken and are taking. Just recently, we had three people Pray to accept Christ. So those are kinds of things that encourage me and give me joy. When I talk with you, I'm encouraged by what I hear, what's going on in your life. I'm blessed by that. Here's the second reason of gratitude for me. I'm grateful that God has shown us these spiritual disciplines that can strengthen our faith and help us stand firm in the culture that doesn't follow Jesus. Those disciplines make us stronger. Those are disciplines that I constantly have to return to, to grow deeper in my faith, just as a follower of Jesus, not just as a pastor. Something that I need to do for myself personally. And third, I'm grateful for brothers and sisters in Christ, like Pastor Scott, who exhort us and teach us and encourage us with God's word and their own story of following God and showing us how they've grown in their faith. So I want to wrap up with a challenge. And as I do, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. What about you? What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? This would be my challenge to you. For those of you who love social media, who like to uh, dabble in it, I would encourage you today, before the day ends, to put your list of three things you're grateful to. And and if you use social media, put hashtag VBCC grateful. We just want to ramp up the gratitude. The second thing that I would say, maybe you're not a social media person. We have some journals like this in the cafe after the service. Why don't you take one and make it your goal every day just to write three reasons why you're grateful. Now, you heard one person's journey. It may be hard at first. It may be challenging. But I believe that the more that we focus on how God has blessed us and show him our gratitude, the deeper we will go in our relationship with God and in our faith, and the more effect that we will have on the world and the people around us. God desires for us to go deeper in following him. He sees us as his joy and He sees us as the crown for those who have mentored us and helped us grow in faith. So let's show and share our gratitude for God. Now... If you're not a follower of Jesus, that's where you need to start with. You need to really thank him for what he's done for you in Jesus, that he paid the price for your sin. So I want to encourage you today in a time of prayer to tell him that you believe in him and want to follow him. And if you pray that prayer, please let us know so we can encourage you by sending you some free material just to help you grow. And then as I bring this service to a close, I want to invite us all to pray and express our gratitude to God. So I'm going to start off with a prayer for those of you who want to put your faith in God, and then I'm going to move into a prayer of gratitude. So if you would, bow your heads. God, we thank you so much for your love, for all that you've done for us. And for anybody who's never told Jesus that they believe in him, if that's you and you want to make that decision today to tell him, I encourage you to... Put that in a prayer to him. And I'll give you some suggested words. You can pray back to him. Here's the first words. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. And today I declare that I want to follow him all my life. And then as we bring that part of our prayer to a close... Lord, we want to express to you our gratitude. Our gratitude for the salvation that you've given us in Jesus. Our gratitude that you've created us, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Our gratitude that you've blessed us with the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our comforter. That you have blessed us with one another, the body of Christ, to encourage us, to care for us, to walk alongside us, to do life together and so many other blessings. We praise you, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.